Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. All right, welcome to Freedom Friday. Today is October 4th, 2019. This is your host, Paul. We got some uh, interesting stories here. And, um, you know, uh, it's so crazy out there. There's so, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm speechless. It's like, what happened to this the world we live in? I mean, I know... I know there's always been sin and evil, and I know it's it's always been bad. It's always been godless. It's the world, right? You know, it's not of God, but it's like it has taken on, society has taken on new proportions of tolerance of evil. It's just tolerating and accepting such darkness. It's just, um, it's really unimaginable. I mean, I, I really see a big difference uh, this year, 2019, uh, it's like the year of chaos, the year of destruction for sure. It's amazing. Um, and, and I've been saying this for a while. It's not going to get any better. Uh, don't expect it to get better. That's not that's not a biblical plan for it to get better. The cup of iniquity fills up. The cup of the iniquity fills up before the return of uh, Jesus Christ. So it, it doesn't get better. But why we wait? Um, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, you know, it, it's like we're waiting, but it's, I really don't know what to do anymore. It's, uh, I'm beside myself. Uh, really. I just, um, I don't know where to, <laughs> it's, it's hard to know what to think and what to do, where to go. Um, I think I'm breaking down, man. I'm telling you, I really do. Uh, the, as an example of just the tolerance of evil here is, is this new movie, The Joker, with uh, Phoenix, you know, Joaquin Phoenix. It's just so evil. You know, it, it's all about violence and evil. And let me tell you something. You go back to Genesis 6, you know, the days before the flood, when the when the sons of God, the angels, mated with the daughters of men and produced this non-human human, these nephilim these uh, these hybrid part part angel part human and uh that are that are reprobate they can't be saved they can't be redeemed they're they're evil they're wicked and they have angel knowledge uh, so they became the kings of the earth the the gods that were served but way back in genesis way back in genesis 6 verse 13 it says and god said unto noah the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them 
with the earth, filled with violence. The the Hebrew word is Hamas. Hamas, it's damage, injustice, oppression, violence, unrighteousness, wrong, cruelty, the whole earth. And that was right before God destroyed everything. It's unbelievable. So this movie comes out and the theaters, theaters have to adjust their their rules in carrying bags there, how you dress to go to the movies, to try to circumvent any violence that might happen. I mean, wouldn't you think, hey, I'm just not going to play the movie or I'm just not going to participate in this? Would, would that kind of be the way to go? But no, we're going to go ahead and play the movie. We're going to do it. But now we got to have police presence and people are going to go to this thing. They're going to send their kids to this thing. Uh, and we all know what happened with that the guy who who did the Joker there in Colorado years ago and killed a bunch of people, you know, at the Dark Knight show. <sighs> now they do a whole movie about this character that it's just so dark. I mean, we had uh, you already had one actor commit suicide that played it. it everybody says you know that plays it it's like something else takes over them it's this comic book character known as the joker it revels in creating chaos just like demons do just like devils do and some people are worried about the new joker movie because they think it's going to create chaos and there's no credible threats yet of violent behavior but they're worried about it the, the screenings start nationwide Thursday and then it will open Friday and some theater chains and law enforcement are taking precautions. Uh, the movie's about the Joker. It's, he's a failed comedian with mental health issues played by Joaquin Phoenix. He descends into this darkness when everything in his life rejects and bruises him and he turns to violence and it becomes a source of identity and even admiration in Gotham. You know, what does that mean? They're they're glorifying this demonic evil behavior and the violence. You know, it's um our society just tolerates this stuff. Not, and not only tolerates, they embrace it. Yeah. They say that this movie, the violence, is more extreme than the violence in a typical comic book movie. It's made some people very wary that audiences will identify with and root for his turn to violence against those he believes have wronged him. A Milwaukee police spokesperson said that she had not been made aware of any threats related to the movie. It's showing at 14 theaters in Milwaukee. Uh, But they have a police presence going on there. The theater chain said that they made a change in their bag and package policy is going into effect before the movie and that they're not going to allow bags or packages no bigger than 12 inches by 12 inches. Now, what what is that for? They don't want people bringing guns in. They don't want people bringing semi-automatic weapons in the theater and killing people. Uh, You know, you you can get a, a gun very easily in a 12 by 12 package, you know, a handgun, and you can do quite a bit of damage in very little time with a handgun. You don't need an assault rifle to do damage. Uh, They said that 
there's another neighborhood theater group. They offer a, they operate a, a thing called Avalon Theater, and uh, they change their policies also. They they ban backpacks, large bags, oversized purses from the theater. Uh, nothing over fourteen by fourteen is allowed. They want to cite that Joker as the reason, but they they did anyway. Uh, they make some excuse about uh, an effort to continue to create a safe viewing environment for all our customers. We have updated our bag policy and blah, blah, blah. Uh, there, the, the two theater chains in Milwaukee have a ban on wearing masks to the theaters also. AMC has had a ban on patrons wearing masks since the mass shooting at a theater in Aurora, Colorado in 2012, if you all remember that. 12 people were shot dead. 70 more people were wounded. On the screen of The Dark Knight Rises by that uh, guy who dressed like the Joker. There's also another chain called Landmark Theaters. They ban painted faces and costumes. Uh, Landmark Theater in Milwaukee's not even showing the Joker. Now, that's probably the way to go. <clears throat> Don't even put up with it. Don't even tolerate it. Don't even show it. Here's what's interesting, too. Uh... The Joker that's distributed by Warner Brothers. <laughs> Gun violence in our society is a critical issue and we extend our deepest sympathy to all victims and families impacted by these tragedies. Our company has a long history of donating to victims of violence. Yeah, like that makes it better. Including Aurora. In recent weeks, our parent company joined other business leaders to call on policymakers to enact bipartisan legislation dressed as academic. It's not our fault. At the same time, Warner Brothers believes that one of the functions of storytelling is to provoke difficult conversations around complex issues. Make no mistake, neither the fictional character Joker nor the film is an endorsement of real-world violence of any kind. It is not the intention of the film, the filmmakers, or the studio to hold this character up as a hero. End of quote. Yet they make the movie anyway, and they distribute the movie anyway. That's very violent and dark and deep and evil. But, oh, we just, you know what it is? It's, we're, 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 we're provoking difficult conversations around complex issues. This is, this is ridiculous. Last week, some family members of the victims of the Aurora Theater shooting sent a letter to Warner Brothers about the concern. They said the movie was sympathetic to the origin story for the title character. The Army, the U.S. Army raised concerns. They wrote an internal memo saying that the Joker's depiction of violence could lead to a mass shooting, but then acknowledged that officials were not aware of any information indicating a specific credible threat. Uh, but nonetheless, it could cause, you know what I mean? So the, all these, all the flags are up, but let's go ahead and tolerate it. In L.A., the police presence is up. New York Police Department presence up. Um, <laughs> you would think the answer would be, let's just not do it. Anyway, that's, you know, the world I came from had common sense, but it is, it's totally different today. Totally, 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 totally different today. Um, let's see. Next up, in Romans one twenty two. Paul writes about people who deny God and, uh, you know, go, they, they think they're so smart, but they don't see God in nature. They don't see God, the Godhead and everything created. And it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools 
And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like out to corruptible man. They worshiped themselves, right? And to birds and forfeited beasts and creeping things. They became stupid. They became stupid, right? So we got this uh, this gentleman, Elon Musk, <laughs> and he plans on sending people to Mars. But this article here uh, by NextWeb says it's probably a suicide mission. Yeah, because, you know, he's got, you're telling me that he's got a Tesla floating around space somewhere, but we can't, we can't invent a garden hose that won't unkink. You know, I, I was at the hospital last week and I was in the admissions office and the guy was working on, on the computer and he was doing some admission stuff. And this is like the second or third time I've seen this, this gentleman named Rick. So we got to kind of talk and know each other. And uh, I was making fun of his screen because his screen was like 12 by 12. It was just like a little TD screen. I go, you think this hospital will get off their wallet and buy you a bigger screen? He goes, oh, bud, that's not the, the end of it. He goes, I'm using DOS. Are you kidding me? He goes, yeah, the program I have to use here for admitting in the hospital is DOS based. <laughs> DOS. It's 2019. I had more. I had more computing power in my pocket on my iPhone than he did doing the, ad, the admission in a hospital working DOS. And then I met another gentleman at Walmart. I know I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging, but I was at Walmart and I met another gentleman when I was standing in line. At the pharmacy, that's right. I went to a hospital and I'm going to a pharmacy. So that kind of tells you where my life's at. So I'm standing in line at a pharmacy and this, uh, I'm talking to this gentleman and we were, uh, you know, he's got purple hair and tattoos and stuff like that, my kind of guy. And we were just talking about stuff. And I, and I forgot what I mentioned, something about the computer deal. And then he said something. So I told him this story about the hospital. I said, yeah, the guy's working DOS. We'll come to find out this young man uh, had been in the uh, you, uh, the Air Force, United States Air Force. And he said that where he worked, they had the defense system. And he says, I kid you not, the defense system was still using floppy disk, not only using DOS, but floppy disk. And so when, when, when the soldiers would ask about it, like, really, this is, this is the American defense system? It's like 1999 technology. You know what they were told? Well, it can't be hacked. It can't be hacked. So it's never upgraded. So he says, that's what people don't know. This is all, you know, there's a bunch of junk out there. That's so, you you know, so I was telling him, yeah. And, uh, you know, Elon Musk says uh, he has a, uh, a Tesla floating around uh, Mars or something like that. So it's all a bunch of big lies. It's just, they're all liars. They're all fools. They're all fools. They deny God and they think they're smart and they just become fools. So this this article by uh, the next web says Elon Musk is a cancer. They said if he'd born a week earlier on June 21st instead of 28th, he'd be a Gemini. And that would make much, much more sense because while he isn't very crabby, he certainly is too spirited human. I think it's an interesting term. It says Musk plans on sending as many as 100 people in his whole new starship <laughs> to Mars by 2024. The plan is ambitious and in many ways necessary, according to Musk. It's imperative we do everything in our power to preserve consciousness, which he fears could be unique to humans. Wow. So he's playing God here. He doesn't want the human race to end, so he's going to send some people to Mars. And if we're all alone in the universe and an asteroid destroys Earth, 
The loss of consciousness would be the greatest loss in the history of, well, everything. <laughs> see, see what they're trying to avoid? They're trying to avoid wrath. Hide us from the wrath of the lamb. Mass starship, must starship, according to him, will take humans first to the edges of Earth's orbit and then to the moon and finally to Mars and beyond. Now, we, we all know that's ridiculous because you can't get past the dome. You can't get past the firmament, right? You can't get beyond that glass ceiling. <laughs> he hopes that we'll colonize new planets, effectively making us resilient against the single point of failure that is our monoplanetary residency. In other words, Musk wants to get people living on backup planets as quickly as possible. This is some weird stuff. This all sounds great, but getting humans to Mars isn't just a matter of building a big spaceship that goes really fast. It's not just a rocket science. Assuming that the psychological complications don't make the entire endeavor a literal nightmare for those involved, there's also the currently unsolved problem of how human exposure to space radiation over extended periods is probably lethal. You think astrobiologist Samantha Wolf published an article on the conversation explaining how, in her view, Musk, Musk's endeavor to put people on Mars could have catastrophic results. Not only does she point out that humans could introduce microbiology to the red planet that might kill any living organisms there. <laughs> um, imagine, as NASA is reportedly close to announcing its found life on Mars, we up and murder it post haste. <clears throat> but it's likely to be too dangerous for humans on such a short time frame. She says that uh, deep space is not without its dangers. Uh, all kinds of stuff. There's uh, magnetic fields. There's uh, radiation. She goes on and on. There's all kinds of problems. And uh, there's considerable health problems involved, worse imminent death. There's... Um, there's ethical considerations about the astronauts and people. So on one hand, Musk is the hero who wants to save the very thing that makes us human, our consciousness, but he's willing to sacrifice his time. <laughs> uh, we're certain he won't be making the maiden voyage to Mars himself. Of course, he's got to stay here and run things. And massive brain power to see us to Mars as quickly as he coffers and sketchbooks can get us there. He's, uh, he's willing to sacrifice his time to do that. On the other hand, Musk appears to be the villain who's hell-bent on getting humans on the red planet, no matter the cost, in lives on the way there. And for what? To say SpaceX was first without an imminent threat to our existence? What's the rush? Perhaps Musk has some secret technology that'll protect Starship and its inhabitants from the space radiation, but it seems unlikely. You remember what he said about the Tesla? You know it's real because it looks so fake. That's what he said about the Tesla that looks so fake floating up in space. He goes, you know it's got to be real because it looks so fake. <sighs> Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So anyway, four years is a ridiculously short time frame to send humans on an interplanetary mission. We can't even get back to the moon, apparently, right? Because we've lost the technology. We lost the tapes. <laughs> We've lost, we'd go to the moon in a nanosecond, but we lost the technology. <laughs> That's what NASA said. That's what that dude's, we lost the technology. And then the, all the tapes, uh, we lost those, they got somebody taped over them, the moon landing, someone taped over them with their wedding. 
I mean, it was just, I mean, I can't believe it. People believe uh, in this stuff. Uh, radiation isn't the only problem to solve before we embark. Our current technology makes this plan look nothing more than a suicide mission. That doesn't help spread our consciousness. So Elon Musk is, uh, yeah, he's strange, strange dude. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a hybrid. That's my personal opinion. I don't think he's, I don't think he's legit. I don't think he's legit. I really don't. As a human, I think he's a um, human, non-human. Let's see here. I can't prove it. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. This is from Slate.com and it says Virginia teacher is fired for refusing to use transgender students' new pronouns and he sues the district for discrimination. Uh, it doesn't say what religion he is, but it, this is based on his religion. He may be Christian. Uh, he may not. I don't know. But I, I use the scripture anyway. It's um, it's Second Timothy 3.12, and it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They shall suffer persecution. Not may, could, they shall. If you're going to live a godly life and really stick to your guns, in following Christ, you're going to get persecuted. And the reason why is there's evil men and seducers. Are, they're going to get worse and worse, and they're deceiving and being deceived. The word of persecution is dioko. It's, it's a, means to follow after, to suffer persecution, to make, to run, to flee, to put to flight, to drive away. In other words, you're being, you're being chased after, um, you know, and harassed type of thing. So here's here's this here's this gentleman, the school teacher in Virginia, and he was fired in December by the school district for refusing to call a transgender student who had recently transitioned by the student's new preferred pronouns. He was fired for that. Now this guy filed a lawsuit Monday alleging wrongful termination for quote for exercising his rights to free speech and free exercise. His name is Peter Vlamming. He's a French teacher at West Point High School in Southern Virginia. He said in the suit that he had gone to great lengths to accommodate the ninth grade student who had transitioned from female to male over the summer. Just like that, this chick decided, hey, over the summer, three months, I'm going to get a tan, I'm going to come back a male. And everybody's got to accept that or they're going to get fired. That's a crazy world we're in. When a lie is is proposed as truth, and if you call it a lie, you get fired. So anyway, addressing the student by his male name, 
So he did that, but stopped short of using the student's preferred masculine pronouns of he, him, his. So Vlaming was threatened with disciplinary action by the school if he refused to comply with the student's request. So he was, whatever this chick's name was, Carla, let's say, and, and the chick came back after uh, three months and said, my name is John. The teacher was calling him John, but but couldn't call him him her his because it's a chick he knew it's it's a student that's a female so when the teacher refused to refer to the student as asked at one point referring to her oh my gosh he referred to her in front of the class during an exercise yeah this guy should be taken out and hung right he referred to a female as a her in front of the class how dare he and the student objected waiting until after the class had finished and other students had cleared out before addressing the issue with the teacher. Quote, Mr. Vlaming, you may have your religion. Here we go. See, it's based on religion. Mr. Vlaming, you may have your religion, the student said, ninth grade student. But quote, but you need to respect who I am. The student then withdrew from the class. Mr. Vlaming, you may have your religion, but you need to respect who I am. You need to put the, the needs of a, of, a, of a mentally retarded uh, female who thinks is now a male ahead of your religion, Mr. Vlaming. You need to do that. Vlaming was suspended for insubordination and weeks later fired by the school board for refusing to lie. In his suit, the 47-year-old teacher who had been at the school for seven years says that his religious beliefs prevented him from addressing a teenager the way that was asked of him. Which core religious tenet was violated? Vlaming's conscience and religious practice prohibits him from intentionally lying. And he sincerely believes that referring to a female as a male by using an objectively male pronoun is telling a lie. That's what the lawsuit argues. So now the school board who fired him, now you got a problem because now you, you violated this man's free speech, his exercise of free speech, and now you uh, you violated his, uh, his exercise to pursue his religion uh, or just at least comply with his religion. So Vlaming said his willingness to refer to the student by name, skipping gender altogether, was an effort at mutual tolerance. The student and school district refused, however, I can't think of a worse way to treat a child than what was happening. Really? That's what West Point High School principal Jonathan Hockman said after the incident. Jonathan Hockman could not think of a worse way to treat a child. I can think of a lot of worse ways to treat a kid. So principal Jonathan Hockman is what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.12 in uh, verse 13. He says, but evil men and seducers shall wax, that means grow, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So that principal Hawkman is not only being deceived, he's a deceiver. So is the ninth grade student. It's as simple as that. They're they're deceived. They're they're deceived. They're fools. Um anyway, he can't think of a worse way to treat a kid. That discrimination then leads to creating a hostile learning environment. The kid can't learn because you won't call a she, a he. And the student had expressed that. The parent had expressed that. The school superintendent said they felt disrespected. So the French teacher complained at the time that his job had been 
put at risk for expressing views held by most of the world for most of human history. Well, it has all of human history, except for 2019. All of human history. This is not tolerance, Vlaming said of school officials' reaction. This is coercion. In his suit, Vlaming now claims it was he that was discriminated against by the district that is seeking half a million dollars in lost wages as well as an additional half a million dollars for pain, suffering, and emotional distress. And I'm telling you, I hope he gets it. I hope he sues the pants off of these idiots and I hope he puts them all out of business because they're idiots. Okay, here's the way things ought to be. Story sent to me by Juan Montero. One in a million sent this to me. It's um, the Western General. It's a farmer that was hit with stage four cancer. His neighbors grab their combines and get to work. So here's the deal. In the world of farming, one devastating harvest can undo the work of generations. This farmer's in Washington State. He faced the prospect of no harvest at all until his neighbors rolled up with their own equipment, helped him out. This young man, Larry Yockey, was hit with diagnosis of a stage four cancer earlier in the year, and he became unable to work. He had, he had uh, spread to his bones, and he had a broken hip and ribs. And uh, anyway, his, uh, his, his harvest was due, and he wasn't going to be able to do his harvest. He didn't, um, he didn't know what he was going to do. It was wheat. And for the three months leading to the harvest season, the families surrounding the cancer-stricken farmer began collecting supplies and finding crews, leaving a neighbor and fellow farmer in pain while the fruits of his labor rotted away was simply not an option for this group. This is the way things ought to be. One neighbor says, I wasn't hesitating one bit. When the time came for the harvest last month, Yaki was floored by his neighbor's response. Here's what they did. Roughly 60 farmers showed up to his 1,200-acre wheat field geared up with 18-wheelers, wheat combines. Although there was three weeks worth of work in the field, the group did it in six hours. It was so big. So anyway, it's just awe-inspiring to see how fast these fields were evaporating now, the farmer says. I, it's not describable, the gratitude I have for what's going on, okay? So for fortunately for this farmer, his neighbors that were human, they were still human, probably go to church, probably love the Lord. Their actions saved them heartache and financial worries because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Not worrying about if it's he, she, he, she, hi, she, all that other nonsense. Here's another guy, just another feel-good story. I found this one, so I'm proud of myself. Very proud of myself to find this one. I like this one. You got to pray for this guy because this guy's, uh, I like this guy. Kentucky governor, pray for him. He asked students to participate and bring your Bible to school day. Matt Bevin is his name, Bevin, B-E-V-I-N. He wants kids to bring the Holy Bible to class Thursday as part of Bring Your Bible to School Day. It's an annual event and encourages students of all ages to take the religious text into the classroom. Here's what he said. I would encourage you, please, don't, don't just bring your Bible to school, but read your Bible. Bring it, share it with others. If you have an extra Bible, bring it and share it with somebody who doesn't have one, who maybe has never read the book, he said in a video post on social media. I love this guy. He said, bring your Bible to school day, sponsored by Focus on the Family. Um, Bevan did not mention Focus on the Family in his video, but touted the impact the Bible has had on him. Here's what he said. He says, the Judeo-Christian principles that are bound in this book are timeless, containing an amazing amount of history, knowledge, wisdom, and guidance. Bring it, read it, share it. Isn't that great? He says, it's an extraordinary book. 
This from the governor. You don't even have to be a person of faith to recognize that this is the most well-read, most published book in history in the world for a reason. I would encourage you, please let this be a document that's an important part of your life. That's what he says. Bring your Bible to school as a national event. Focus on the family. Send in a promotion video that more than 650,000 students participated in the event last year when Bevan also promoted it. Uh, during Bevan's time in office, state lawmakers approved Bible literacy courses to be taught in public high schools despite concerns from the ACLU. And in the most recent legislative session, passed a law requiring all public schools to display in God We Trust in prominent on-campus locations. So this guy, uh, this guy's not afraid of losing his job and not getting reelected. And um, Kentucky Governor, Kentucky Governor Matt Bevan, hats off to you, brother. You are so right on, man, the way things ought to be. We need men like this in leadership. We need men like this in politics. We need men that have cojones for the Lord. Praise the Lord for this guy. I love this guy. He's a brother. Pray for him because you know they're going to go after him because they're they're devils and devils. That's what devils do. Last story. Here's another um, another thing we should be praying about. Right? Romans uh, 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? Persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Okay, who's gonna separate us from the love of Christ, right? So here in America, we're going, yeah, we can't be separated from the love of Christ, you know, unless Chick-fil-A, you know, (laughs) <laughs> runs out of uh, chicken sandwiches and they're closed on Sunday. So I'm, I'm getting close to losing my salvation over that. Uh, you know, here in America, we're spoiled, you know. What tribulation? Really? A distress? Persecution? Well, that, that teacher is being persecuted. He's going through tribulation. He's being distressed, right? Standing up for his, his convictions. Uh, the Kentucky governor is going to get backlash. Yeah. That says famine or nakedness, eh, perel or sword. Okay, well, here we go. So we got to pray for these folks. I asked you last week to keep them in prayer, the Iranian Christians. Harassment and imprisonment, life as a persecuted Christian in Iran. This is from uh, ooh, the um, alabia.net. Alabia, not dead. Iranian Christian, uh, Dibrina Tom. Tamraz grew up as the daughter of a pastor living under the Iranian regime alongside church services and Bible studies. Her childhood memories are tainted by government surveillance, harassment, interrogation, and detention. She gave an exclusive interview with Al Arabia English. Tamraz tells the story of life as a persecuted Christian in Iran. She says, quote, Our family was being followed all the time by Iranian authorities. They even broke into our house. We had spies within the church and at times soldiers standing in front of it. I was detained so many times I lost track of the number, said uh, Dabrina in an exclusive interview. For 40 years, her father was a pastor, Victor Tamras. He preached in spite of the persecution. He was frequently arrested and interrogated by Iranian authorities on Sundays just before his scheduled church service. Wow. Have we experienced anything like that here? No. 
The Tamraz family's church, the Assyrian Pentecostal church, okay? They were Pentecostals. They believed in the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for power. They spoke in a heavenly language to their Lord. They were Pentecostals. The Assyrian Pentecostal church in Tehran was shut down in 2009 for offering services in the national language of Farsi which was prohibited for churches in Iran. Okay, so, you know, we go to church here in our Western culture and it's a big deal if they run out of coffee before the Sunday morning service, right? You know, or the donuts aren't as fresh as they should be. You know what I'm saying? But in Iran, they need prayer. Now, Tamraz's father is banned from the pulpit. He was arrested in 2014 he was kept in solitary confinement for 65 days, sentenced to a 10-year imprisonment for what? For conducting evangelism and illegal house church activities. Folks, that's what the Bible's talking about in persecution. This man, this man, this man lost his earthly life for the gospel of Christ. Seriously. And so did she. Iran says these are acts which the Iranian regime considers threats to national security. A threat to national security is conducting evangelism and illegal house church activities. <coughs> Tamraz's mother was arrested for allegedly training church leaders and pastors to act as spies. And she's appealing a five-year prison sentence. So she's in prison. Her brother was arrested for joining a house church and sentenced to four-month term. Their detention has drawn international attention to Iran's persecution of religious minorities. Vice President Mike Pence publicly called on the Iranian regime during a speech at the U.S. State Department in July to release Tamraz's father, saying the pastor was sentenced on contrived charges related to his peaceful religious activities. Tamraz, who escaped, she escaped Iran nine years ago, she lives in Europe. She says her message to Iran's leadership is to free detained Christians and drop the sentences of her family members. So that's that's why she's able to talk about it because she escaped. She would say to Iran's president, Hussan Rouhani, that freedom of religion is a foundational right for all of your citizens. Uh, so it goes on and on. But yeah, here's the deal. The constitution of Iran recognizes Shia Islam as the official religion. It states that Christians, Jews, and Zoroastrians are protected religious minorities free to perform their rights, quote, within the limits of the law. But the law comes with many limits. While Iran is home to nearly 300,000 Christians, this population is not free to worship, observe, or practice, or teach their faith. See, it's, it's, the, one, it's the one world Ummah with them. It's under the Ummah. You have to be under Iran. You can, you can do religion. You can do your religion. You can be Christian, but you have to be under us. And we tell you, it's just like China. We tell you how to do your religion, right? Oh no, we're tolerant. You can be a Christian. You can do it, but you have to do it how we tell you. It's the Ummah. It's the Islamic Ummah. According to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom in 2019 report, the Iranian regime sentences Christians to prison terms for holding private Christmas gatherings, organization, uh, let's say organizing and conducting house churches and constructing and, and renovating houses of worship. 
The report, which mentions the persecution of the Tamaris family, found there had been a dramatic uptick in arrest of Christians. At least 171 Christians were arrested in 2018. Over 40 have been arrested this year. Quote, as Christians, we are seen as cooperating with America to take the throne from Iran. This is something they, the authorities, say. Iran's government denies that religious minorities face oppression. Rouhani himself has claimed that Christians have the same rights as others do. Um, yeah. They're cracking down on the Christian community in Iran. In the first week of December alone, 114 Christians were arrested. Iran has repeatedly arrested Christians ahead of the holiday season. The Tamraz family house was raided by Iranian security officers during a Christmas celebration in 2014. The officers arrested all attendees, seized their Bibles, and confiscated personal items. The participants signed forms committing to never gather together again. They had to sign forms saying they would never gather together for church again. Folks, these people need prayer. Forget about the donuts and the coffee here. These people need real prayer. You know, forget about the air conditioning wasn't on. It was a little warm in there. The pastor, see, pastor's teaching a, teaching a sermon that I, it was, I didn't, didn't do anything for me. It wasn't relevant. Tamara says she feels devastated thinking about her family and Christians in Iran, but is grateful to U.S. President Donald Trump and his administration for being a loud voice and raising awareness for the persecution. America has an influence on Iran and can affect change. Trump's administration officials are mentioning cases of Christian persecution in Iran in their negotiations. Religious freedom is a topic of focus for Trump, said Tamraz. And there's a picture of her at the White House with the Donald and his beautiful hair doing stuff. During his recent speech to the UN General Assembly, Trump and his beautiful hair highlighted America's commitment to protecting religious freedom. He says, this fundamental right is under growing threat around the world. Americans will never tire in our effort to defend and promote freedom of worship and religion. We want to support religious liberty for all. So anyway, uh, he would like to see uh, Pastor Tamrez be released. And of course, uh, his daughter has hopes that that'll be, you know, done at some point. She says, it's not a big hope. But I do have hope. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing and speaking out. I trust that God is working, doing signs and wonders in Iran, despite the persecution, she said. And I think she's right. I think she's absolutely right. But anyway, folks, this is the real deal, man. These are people who really, really, who really get in it. Um, we are very fortunate here. You know, as I, as I do this show, I'm looking around my office and I have you know, one, two, three. I got probably just probably... Maybe I'm serious about a dozen Bibles on a shelf right here. And then in another room, I have, we have another dozen more. I got commentaries. I've got expository dictionaries and I've got Bible maps and charts and no one's knocking on my door. You know, no one's trying to seize that. I'm doing a show talk right now. I'm talking about Christ and Christianity and no one's, no one's, no one's trying to kill me. Uh, so, <sighs> You know, we get persecution another way. We get persecuted by Satan is, uh, is, how, is how I get it <laughs> directly from that evil warlock. But 
these people need prayer. So hold them up in your prayers when you when you think about it, please. And um, hold up the the uh, the governor of um, Kentucky, uh, Matt Bevan, and the French teacher. You know, um, hold him up too. I mean, they're they're trying to do the right things here. So anyway, that's it. Freedom Friday. You guys uh, have a nice weekend, and we'll talk to you later. 